You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Schnikes. I'll take it. (laughs) Hi, caramba. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s to the mid-2000s, and we look at them objectively. We kind of take off the rose-colored glasses and try to find out if they hold up. And uh, boy, do we have a heck of a movie for you guys today. (laughs) This week, we watched 1995's Road comedy, I guess you'd call it. Traveling buddy comedy. Thomas Boy. <laughs> Thomas Boy. 1995's Tommy Boy. Oh my goodness. This is a movie I uh, could recite lines from. It's a movie mm-hmm. I've seen so many times as a kid. My dad was obsessed with Chris Farley, and like I mentioned on last week's episode, we had kind of run through his entire filmography several times over. Any yeah. movie that he was in, even even Almost Heroes with Matthew Perry, I had seen several <laughs> times as a kid because I just loved his energy and what he brought to the screen. Mm-hmm. He's still, to this day, very magnetic, and you cannot take your eyes off him. He's a guy that you can go back even to like his days on SNL and just watch the sketches that he was in. He's got so many really good SNL sketches, and then they just carry on over into his movie. This was a guy who was kind of defying the odds when it came to movie stardom because he's the opposite of every 90s movie star but i mean at his peak there was no one no one bigger in at least in comedy than chris farley would you agree with that yeah he came out in the snl scene right around you know with the david spade and and adam sandler and chris rock and rob schneider Schneider. and that whole crew there and they wound up eventually wound up starring in many of each other's movies throughout the years chris farley passed away in 1997 Mm -hmm. so it was only two years after this movie he had managed to do a few starring roles but most of the uh, movies we have now to watch of his are ma- basically these side supporting kind of characters and yep. whatnot. Like I think of Billy Madison, him and the, him as the, as bus, the driver, bus driver, and hilarious Madison, in that movie. Yeah. Um, Dirty Work, I remember he's also in. He, he managed to do a few in '98 that were released by the time he had already passed. But yeah, it's just super unfortunate, and I, mm-hmm. I constantly wonder what his career could have been. Yeah, do you wonder if he just would he have blown up and just been? such a huge star or do you think he may have went the way of say like we mentioned last week like kevin james or something like that you know what i mean yeah i think that you see moments of what he's kind of capable of in this movie Mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part it really plays to his strengths of physical comedy slapstick stuff but he does have a few tender moments and what i'll say about his performance in this movie and the character itself is it's just a super genuine, humble person without an ounce of cynicism in them. And so that, I think, makes the character so likable and endearing 20-something years later. I think it's really easy for a character like Tommy Callahan to become annoying. Yes. But Chris Farley, with a, with a pretty healthy mix of humor and actually pretty good emotional range for an actor, he does a good job at just making this a lovable character through and through. I never get tired of Tommy Callahan in this movie, which is saying something because I have a very low tolerance for characters <laughs> like Tommy Callahan. No, absolutely, absolutely. So what's what's your history with the movie? So Tommy Boy was one of those movies that um, it wasn't really a movie that you hid from people that you saw it when you were young, but I do remember, you know, a couple sleepovers watching Tommy Boy, and man, 
it just the first time you see Tommy Boy when you were young, it was the funniest thing ever. Chris Farley was a freaking comedy superhero. Yeah. After you watch Tommy Boy, um, I I kind of I don't know if I did this intentionally, but I've kind of avoided it since I was younger. It's it's probably been a solid like five or six years since I've seen Tommy Boy, um, and I don't know. Why I I still loved the movie, especially even heading into into today. I th- I went in thinking that I was really gonna like it. I, I just I haven't seen it in a long time, but it was one of my favorite comedies that that I saw when I was younger. Certainly, I think my most favorite Chris Farley role. Yes, this is the first time I've seen this movie fully. Like I, I've caught it a few times on TV because it's mm-hmm. a movie that's constantly in reruns. Oh, on, it's always on Comedy Central yes, or something yeah. all the time. And so this is the first time. Yeah, I've seen it fully for probably yeah at least five years for sure and i was worried that some of the humor might not hold up because Mm -hmm. this movie falls into the category of those adam sandler jim carrey vehicles that i really loved as a kid that were coming out right around this time like the happy gilmores yeah you know liar liar ace ventura all that shit i was just thinking you mentioned billy madison (laughs) that's a movie that i liked as a kid and you know growing up now i'm like yeah i don't know so i had the same concerns that you did that was I actually gonna like this when we played it today? And I'll say some of the uh, some of the humor doesn't land quite as as hard. I caramba. Dude. Oh man, yeah, David Spade. <laughs> some of the nineties choice lines yeah, in here. Some that of the nineties Yeah, some of the nineties uh, catchphrase dialogue is <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> but overall, I, I did find it entertaining and funny mm-hmm. and and at least at least fun. I, I will yeah. describe it as an entertaining watch. Well, but, before we get too much into yes. what we thought, why don't you give us uh, some of the nuts and bolts, if you will, of this film? So it's got a 7.1 on IMDb and a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. It wasn't very uh, well received at its time of release. In fact, this film is on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Wow. And this is what he wrote. Uh, Tommy Boy is one of those movies that plays like an explosion down at the screenplay factory. You can almost picture a bewildered office boy, his face smudged with soot, wandering through the ruins and rescuing pages at random. Too bad they didn't mail them to the insurance company instead of filming them. <laughs> oh, Whoa. shit. Roger Ebert paints a picture for you, bud. Oh, my God. I, I kind of understand some of that because yeah. there are parts to this where it... it it almost abandons the last plot point just to get to the next scene. Yeah, it does, for sure. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, this is directed by a gentleman named Peter Siegel, or Seagal. He directed a bunch of comedies, especially when we were growing up. Uh, the Naked Gun 3, Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, Anger Management, 51st Dates, The Longest Yard, Get Smart, and Grudge Match. Did you ever oh, see Grudge God. Match? Yeah, with I've the seen Grudge Ridge. Match, Ugh. yeah. Wish I didn't. <laughs> wish I didn't. Yeah, wish I had him, but I did. Uh, but yeah, this movie was a modest success at the box office. It was made for $20 million and wound up raking in $32 million in the U.S., did not get a worldwide mm-hmm. release, but wound up becoming a huge hit on uh, home video and became a cult classic that's way, that way. And that's how I saw it was on VHS. Yeah. And uh, we also mentioned, too, I, I feel like it's worth mentioning, um, we mentioned that it's kind of uh, in that SNL realm. Lorne Michaels, obviously, a huge hand yep. in producing this film that's right and this was released the year before black sheep which reunited obviously david spade and chris farley Mm -hmm. to the exact same box office hall 32 million exactly as well yeah it's kind of funny (laughs) uh but tommy boy was 54th for the year of 95 some other comedies that were released that year ace ventura when nature calls uh get shorty grumpier old men oh my god (laughs) clueless major pain 
Friday, House Guest and the aforementioned Billy Madison came wow. out the same year, made more than Billy Madison. And what's also interesting is that Adam Sandler was the original choice to play David Spade's character. In fact, Chris Farley wanted him, but Billy Madison was shooting at the exact same time, so they could not make that match, which is strange because David Spade and Chris Farley have such tremendous chemistry yeah. that you wonder what it would have been like with Adam Sandler. In the I kind of I kind of think that maybe, you know, especially if Adam Sandler is playing a little bit calmer of a role than what he was obviously yeah. used to when he was doing Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and mm-hmm. shit like that. I think that chemistry probably could have balanced out pretty well, and you would have had Adam Sandler probably delivering a funnier performance than what David Spade gives us. Not that David Spade doesn't have an occasional laugh or two in this movie, but I think that chemistry could have worked out pretty well. It could have. The, uh, David Spade's character in this movie is that very sarcastic, sharp-edged wit, and I don't know how Adam Sandler's delivery of that would have been. I'm sure it would have worked I f- fine. I feel like maybe the script would have been the script probably would have been different, bit, yeah. and uh, I do appreciate the difference in just look and height and size in comparison from yeah. Chris Farley to David Spade. Whenever I think of this movie, I think back to the days of when I was a kid pulling this fucking thing out of the VHS sleeve with that iconic, in my opinion, iconic front cover image of him just standing on the road with him slightly lifting David Spade yeah. off the ground. It's just kind of like one of those memories imprinted in my memory from childhood. It's the classic odd couple formula that apparently never fails. It, it, oh, it fails. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it fails no, a lot, if, but you're it right. Does, it does fail a lot, obviously. We continue but. to bring that back generation after generation, yeah. and it... it fits into any genre for the most part. Mm-hmm. This is like a buddy traveling, a buddy road movie for the most yeah. part. Ugh. <laughs> Makes me weep for the days of Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Remember Rush Hour? Do you remember Rush Hour, Zach? One through three? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? So let's get into it. <laughs> okay, before we do dive in, there's just a few more uh, behind-the-scenes here tidbits that are pretty interesting. So Bo Derek. Uh, in this movie, who plays Beverly. She was nominated for a Razzie Award for <laughs> Supporting Actress. All right. Oh, man. Apparently, uh, we all love their on-screen chemistry, David Spade and Chris Farley, yes. but apparently there were some behind-the-scenes mishaps and whatnot. Appar- according to David Spade, he and Chris Farley got into a physical altercation on the set. I guess David Spade had went out drinking with Rob Lowe one night, and Chris Farley found out and was kind of pissed about it, so the next day on set he was like, how's Rob Lowe? Just kept doing that again and again, until David got so fed up with it, and he threw a Diet Coke at him or on him, (laughs) in which case Chris Farley responded by throwing him into a wall and down the stairs. (laughs) Apparently after the fight, Spade walked off set and refused to continue filming. The pair would sometimes go hours without talking to each other or to the director or talking to each other through the director. But it doesn't show on on the set. No, you wouldn't know know that. From the movie, they really seem like they're they're having a fun time making it, too. Yeah, exactly. Two professionals. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Because this was shooting at the exact same time they were on SNL, they had to actually shoot and fly back and forth to rehearse and go on the show and then come back to Toronto for where they were filming. So I imagine it must have been a goddamn hellish two or three month schedule that whatever they were shooting. SNL is a tough gig already. I can't even imagine shooting a film while doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, Rob Lowe, who we both love, Mm -hmm. uh, he plays the supporting role of Tommy's stepbrother, Paul. He actually appears in the movie uncredited, and he chose to do that because 
Rob was contractually obligated to Stephen King's The Stand, which was shooting at the same time. Oh. Uh, so he took a part, the part simply as a favor to Chris Farley. I'm not sure if he even got paid for it, <laughs> which wow. is kind of strange. But, uh, but it yeah. kind of explains a lot because I, I, I feel like he was a little underutilized in this film. Yes. Just a little bit. Um, but that could be your love of Rob Lowe blinding. You. That's true. No, I do. I do love Rob Lowe. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. Uh, Tommy boy. So we open on young Tommy. He's getting to school late and it kind of sets the stage for what, you know, this character really is. He's a, he's a lovable oaf, very clumsy and, uh, kind of oblivious to the world around him sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's a very quick sequence too. It almost makes you wonder if maybe they could have just picked it up. In college, because it is that quick. It's, they absolutely could have. Yeah. yeah. There, I don't think there was a reason to... No, sh- not really. I mean, they do introduce uh, Little Richard, Little David Spade, who's riding on the bike next to him as he's sprinting to school, basically like, yeah, you're going to be late, you're and pathetic. They've, yeah, they've already got that uh, he hates him sort of chemistry going on immediately. Yes. But... Um, but you know, n- not a lot comes of this other than he misses the bus. Flash forward, uh, I don't know. Probably 15 years 15, or something. 16 years. Well, actually, maybe I don't even know. Even more, because yeah. he's he's now in college. Apparently, he's been there seven years. Seven years. Yeah. <laughs> fucking regular Van Wilder up in this thing. <laughs> right. So Tommy being perpetually late is also late to his final history exam. Yep. And we get a little bit of Chris Farley's... This I find his just his facial performance hilarious in this movie mm-hmm. especially in this scene where he's just reading through the first question which was like who drafted the independent uh, declaration of independence or something like that yeah and he obviously writes down the wrong answer but then he looks down smirk so His proud face of himself is so fantastic i gotta tell you the two things the two positives that i'll give him is that his facial expressions still really good and uh his comedic timing in these movies is impeccable mm-hmm. in a lot Still of these scenes. Point. There's a couple <laughs> negatives that we'll get into that I don't think carried over, but we'll we'll get into that later. But this is, I guess, the final week of graduation. His exam results are posted. He gets a D plus. He gets to pass. Uh, we cut to this college party, apparently after he's already graduated, before he's headed home. And we just get a little look into his life that he's, a, he's kind of a party animal, uh, you know, doesn't take classes very seriously he's your regular you know 90s stoner he's doing a keg stand ripping bong hits and whatnot right you know classic chris farley however does not particularly look like he belongs at a college no and i get that he's supposed to be seven years into it but he also looks like he's maybe 17 years older than a lot of these guys (laughs) you know what i mean and but then again in the 90s everyone looked like they were 30 you know what i mean everyone just looked distressed and disheveled that's i mean yeah i guess that's true (laughs) so the story takes place mostly in sandusky ohio Mm -hmm. let's lay down the groundwork for this his father tommy's father big tom callahan Mm -hmm. uh played by brian dennehy is the owner or he's the ceo and he's I think the third or fourth generation to own this auto part factory. Callahan Auto. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they make auto parts. They have been for decades and whatnot. Like you said, it's a multi-generational family business and whatnot. And he wants to give it over to Tommy when he goes. So he's basically promised him a job as some sort of executive. He's kind of high up in the the company. I mean, he's grooming him to take over as CEO when he retires. So he's high up. He's with... the executives he's supposedly in the supervisor you know sort of management sort of roles immediately even though the guy just passed his seventh year of college with 
a D, a D plus, his, which yeah. is you know ecstatic. <laughs> Everybody's <got>. very <laughs> exactly. ecstatic for him, um, and that, and you can tell immediately in the scene. Minus Richard, who is obviously played by David Spade, uh, Tommy is beloved by pretty much everybody, everybody in that town. Um, but one thing that Tommy notices, and I think this is worth mentioning, that when he's driving in, his town of Sandusky is falling apart. Uh, yep. Factories are closed. It just looks – every shot in Sandusky is like a gray, cloudy day. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. They do a pretty good job with that. But you can just tell that the, that Callahan seems to be the last thread of, of a dying town. It's a very blue collar movie mm-hmm. setting and everything, even up to its its morals and, and kind yes. of its its message throughout the whole movie. It's a very working class type of theme, which I didn't really think we got a whole lot in the mid '90s for comedies. Um, so no, it's, it was it's all a welcome like, change of pace. It was all yeah, like rich executives. Yeah, and we were coming off guys, the '80s yeah. yuppie, all that bullshit. I feel like this is this kind of stood out because of the fact that it was just working joes. You know what I mean? They're yeah. they're the most of the characters in it. And honestly, it's so relatable mm-hmm. to so many small towns around the. This country. Oh, I mean, yeah. I grew up in a mill town, and I've seen as it slowly leaves what that does to the community, and all the jobs leave, and all the people got to leave. It becomes a ghost town. Yeah, so this, this town is on the verge of becoming that if Callahan Auto were to close. But Richard, we mentioned him earlier. He plays an accountant or, or some sort of assistant to Dennehy. Yeah. And he, you can tell he looks at Dennehy as a father figure and is kind of pissed off that, you know, Chris Farley's coming in here to just get a job. He didn't work for this like he has. Mm-hmm. And he's also adult. He is kind of adult. And uh, this is where we've kind of coined the term Tommy Boy. Did you ever hear people like mention that? Because I've heard in like actual businesses and whatnot, yeah, he's a real Tommy Boy because he's just, you know, the boss's son got everything handed to him on a silver platter. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard that once or twice. Big Tom has a plan to save Callahan Motors. He's developed this new brake pad that's supposed to be unfreaking believable and this is when you kind of get a look into what big tom is like he is a master salesman he's essentially talking the bank into giving him a loan on an untested unsold product and he does it extremely successfully you can tell he's been doing it for a long time um but he's also got another secret for tommy He's getting married. That's dude. right. He's a widower, and after all these years, he's finally getting hitched again to Perfect Ten herself, <laughs> Bo Derek. She looks good coming. She's out of the beautiful pool, man. in this yeah. movie, still. Yeah, and and uh, it's interesting the way this whole uh, revelation is kind of crosscut with. Rob Lowe's character arriving to town because out of context it just seems like this guy you have no idea who oh, yeah, he is. Oh yeah, this like drifters just yeah, blowing this in. This drifter town. blows into town. He gets off the bus and this kid's like making faces on the bus window behind him and he, without looking he just slams his fist against the window hitting <laughs> the kid off. I love Rob Lowe's performance oh, in this God, movie. Oh my he's so funny, he's man. Still pretty funny in this. Rob Lowe, no matter if he's playing the goofy guy on Parks and Rec or he's playing the hard ass in something like Tommy Boy, man, he's he's about as perfect as it gets. He's so charismatic. I love Rob Lowe. <laughs> so I think we get the second or third holy shnikes, oh uh, which is, yeah, you know, his catchphrase. Everyone in the 90s was having catchphrases. catchphrases. Yeah, you know what I mean? Phrase. You can't fault the movie for this that. This one grates me a little bit, though. It, it, it you, really... you almost wanted him to just say, holy shit. I, I but, no, every time he said, holy shnikes, I'm like, just say, holy shit. What are you like, doing, bud? <laughs> just say, holy shit. <laughs> holy shnikes. <laughs> but he says it as Bo Derek is first introduced to him because, yeah, she's gorgeous. And he, Brian Denny, he does not look like he can <laughs> <you> <laughs> score. Know, <laughs> 
a little out of his league, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Fair. But he is Denny, and he can talk his way into anything. Yes, he can. He's a goddamn master with the words. Tommy, meanwhile, is super excited to have a brother introduced to his life. That's uh, Rob Lowe, this character we've been introduced earlier to, and he's excited to meet him. Once he opens the door, I love when he's like, he's here, and he's like, brother! He's like, yeah. Literally screaming and sprinting Brothers to the door. don't shake hands, they Brothers got a hug. Yeah, his, uh, that, again, his comedic timing, pretty good. So they go cow tipping, I guess, to make some memories and strengthen their brotherly bond. Mm-hmm. You know, he messes it up, and they end up at one of my favorite little... Because this movie, it's hard to really even talk about it plot point by plot point because yeah. it's so kind of scattershot. Yeah, it But is. I do love this gas station scene where he's um, <laughs> like, these these shoes cost more than your life. He's washing off his shoes after the cow tipping incident went horribly wrong. Yep. They were chased off the property, and, and Chris Farley's covered in shit and mud, and he basically, <laughs> Rob Lowe sprays him with the water he to clean him up. starts doing, like, flash the dance. Flash dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a really good bit of, uh, you know, physical comedy at the end of it. He's like, did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? Why? Why? (laughs) We then cut back to the business here, and he's doing something that I've carried on throughout many years of my life, which is talking into a fan like Darth Vader. (laughs) He's like, Luke, I am your father. Everybody still does that. Of course they do. If you say you don't do that, you're a liar. You're a fucking liar. You're a fucking liar. (laughs) We love our listeners. (laughs) But yeah, Tommy's learning the ropes of the business. He eventually gets embarrassed by, I think this guy's a delivery truck driver for the company. He's basically the one guy who gives him any shit. But you can tell Tommy truly wants this to work out. He really wants to do a good job for his dad. Yeah, and again, this is what I was talking about in the beginning. There's a little bit of emotional range here out of Chris Farley, and this was what makes this character lovable. Like, yeah, he's a goof, and yeah, he's an idiot, and yeah, he can get a little annoying, but he's trying genuinely hard. Um, yes. He's not a guy. He's not a kid who thinks he's been handed everything, even if he has, and he's also, you know, he's not a kid who's like ah, i wish i was still in college for you know a stoner party guy who was there for he's not van wilder i guess he's not the way van I would. yeah he's not van wilder and it's it's very endearing it's a kid who genuinely just wants to make his mark in his town and do good by people he considers family it's very charming and he cares about everyone at that factory including this woman he uh, gets reintroduced to michelle played by julie warner i guess she was a uh, not a childhood friend, but she no, sat they were next to classmates right, or something class. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can tell there's kind of going to be a budding relationship there. Cut to the wedding day, and during this little song and dance number after their wed, you know Chris Farley gets up there with Brian Dennehy. They're doing this whole routine and you know halfway through he winds up collapsing and dies just dies i of think a heart we're attack. like 20 minutes into the movie at this point mm-hmm. and yeah you expect brian had Dennehy to just be in it more often and even though you can sense where this movie might be going it just happens really abruptly He's, yeah i think he has maybe a sh- like six minutes of screen time no it's it's a really short amount of time that he's on screen and uh i remember when this happened it was you know genuinely caught me off guard a little bit it was like oh where do you go from there because i expected the father figure to just be in the movie yeah you know like maybe he he has a disappointment scene or something like that no like dead but Done. just the little bit of the relationship you see between them, you could tell they, they truly love each other, and mm-hmm. Brian Denny wants the best for him. Just that little bit, coupled with the next few shots, I think, yeah. really sell this home, because they do the whole, you know, 
Amazing Grace on the the bagpipes there, the Irish mm-hmm. Celtic song and whatnot during the funeral, and then it cuts to him. There's a really great shot of this really long road of him walking down. I know it yeah. sounds super cliche, and it is the wind's blowing and it's fall, but it's shot really it's well. Shot and he he performs it well. He walks back to his factory. It's closed. Yep. No one's there, and he just kind of sits on the stoop just in the rain. And I know it sounds like really heavy handed, and it is, but it just seems so genuine. You like, really don't what, you really don't, don't expect it out of a movie like this. That's just supposed to be like slapsticky goofiness it's it's a really emotional moment it's even it gets even more so in the next scene where he's sitting in a boat with michelle yeah and it comes down and chris farley is acting his ass off in this scene he's crying he's monologuing he's doing a great job yeah but basically like i don't want to let my dad down i need this to work yeah and while he's in the boat it is like a funny image though as it keeps kind of cutting to a wide where she's so small and he's so big that the, the boat's, boat's kind of tipping, tipping over yeah. these kids are on the shore shouting like insults at him at which point he's slowly chris farley losing himself <laughs> yeah. which he just slowly escalates in anger yeah and then eventually michelle like calls him off and basically <laughs> says like i know where you sleep and your mothers will cry when they see what i've done to you kind of out farley's chris farley <laughs> exactly <laughs> they run off and you can tell shit dude she means business she's cool this this relationship picks up pretty quickly i mean that's pretty much it they're like dating at this point they are and this happens in all of these adam sandler-esque movies however i think in this one it's a little more earned yeah i feel like in most of those movies like the fucking what was it, the just go with it one where jennifer mm-hmm. aniston and brooklyn decker are both fighting over adam sandler right exactly when they do this like thing king of queens style put a beautiful woman who's pining after this like you yeah. know, guy who really is unattractive in the real world type it's the, situation it's the lowest peter griffin yeah sort of thing. this doesn't feel as uh manipulated or kind of on the surface as those no, other ones are it, you know what i mean and i think it comes from the character again too like he's a genuine character and i think she sees that yeah he's a genuinely nice guy or trying to be a good person he's yeah. not you know saying like terrible things about her in her behind her back or right. objectifying her or anything like that yeah he he's really likes a, her. he's not a pig he's just a nice guy yeah so now that big tom has died they're trying to figure out what do we do with the company from here so tommy and beverly uh are the primary shareholders and the board is considering selling the company off to Zelinsky Industries or yep. Auto, Zelinsky Auto, Zelinsky which is, Auto. Uh, it's Dan Aykroyd playing, I love this character. He's, he's, he's fantastic. An he's, it's just like he's a, got the most exaggerated Chicago accent yeah, ever. His hair is the conehead hair pretty <laughs> yeah, much. It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, he's just a straight talking blue collar. I, I, I make parts for the American man. Because that's what I care about. Yeah. Pretty good. He's funny, man. I miss him. I, I miss Dan. Come back yeah, I and do. do some more movies. But they're basically at the all hope is lost moment. They're like, we can't go on anymore. We're probably going to have to sell the company. So Tommy decides, you know what? I'll give over my inheritance, either as collateral or to use. Um, to show the bank they have enough money to get the loan they need. I'm not entirely sure the finance situation. Well, We're not going to stress about yeah, it. Yeah, don't much. think about it too much. He essentially he gives over all of his shares, which is like half the company, to the bank. So that uh, he can get a loan to get the break factor, the break part of the factory going, and they're like, "Well, who's going to sell it?" Yeah, and that's when Tommy volunteers. He's like, "I can do it. Uh, you know, I've got some of my father in me, and I'm enlisting Richard to help me because he knows more about the breaks than anybody." Exactly, and if and if this doesn't work and the company goes under, the whole town goes under, and mm-hmm. that's. When the whores come in. <laughs> that old lady, I've always yeah, loved that, that old that lady. That old lady in that scene. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's funny, this, this, this movie does know how to break up a scene every once in a while. That's like, I mean, we haven't had a ton of laughs since Brian Denny mm-hmm. has died. 
and it's been like a solid like 10 minutes yeah yeah so like this it's just a good like this woman's talking about whores coming into <laughs> her husband town. sitting next to her is this old guy's like i went to a whorehouse once during the war or whatever and i've never heard the end of it <laughs> Pretty funny. So we are 32 minutes into the movie, and this is where they hit the road, and that's, for the most part, the next hour of the movie. It yeah. becomes a road movie. Yeah, it's only about two page masters long. Not too long at all. Not yeah. too long at all. And that works to its benefit, because I feel like it does get stretched a bit thin towards the end. Yeah, it does. Basically, we get a bunch of quick cuts, a montage of uh, unsuccessful uh, sales. <laughs> Basically, yeah. just a bunch of people saying, no, no. Yeah, he's really bad at selling uh there's even at the end of this montage though a very famous scene where someone <laughs> yes. finally says maybe and so richard jumps in and he's trying to go over the specs of the brake pads and he's like i listen man i'm a blue collar guy yep. i don't really understand talk my language saying. talk dumb dumb to and me. so tommy steps in and he tries to explain why his brakes are important and he goes through this whole this whole spiel of like if you use the other brakes and he takes some of the model cars and he starts banging them and he's doing he must have improvised this right there's no way this all could have been no, written this the could way it not is. have no. been scripted because he's just screaming oh my god <laughs> and he starts lighting the model cars on fire and just he's he's at peak chris farley in this scene and it's still I mean, I was still laughing really hard. It's a great it's scene. Really still holds funny. up. Yeah. Another one of these quick little comic aside scenes. They go to the gas station to fill up, and he has to go inside. Richard goes inside to ask for directions, and outside, there's this whole... They set up this plot point earlier on that Richard is obsessed with this car. Mm -hmm. Has he restored it, or is he fixed it? He's very proud of this vehicle. He's very vehicle. proud of this car, and I can't remember. I think he's just... He's kept it in pristine condition for a long time, and it's a really nice old car. Yep. And I'm, I, I think he wants to resell it, maybe, but... I, I can't tell really, but he's just proud of this car, and it is a nice teal, like I'd say, like '70s car, maybe. Yeah. Um, and while he's in there trying to get directions to their next stop, uh, Tommy backs up with the door open, hits like a pole, yep. and bends, <laughs> bends the, the door all the way back, door all the way forward. So then he pulls forward, tries to, you know. Put the door back in place and whatnot. <laughs> and it's a pretty funny scene when he's back in the car. David Spade finally gets out and he has to open the door. It completely falls off. <laughs> but Chris Farley, again, it's his time. He like, turns, whips his head. What'd you do? What'd you do? <laughs> again, his, uh, that's that's a perfect example of his timing just being great. Cut to a fair. Uh, they're on some sort of fairgrounds. And I guess it's like a company, an annual company appreciation, employee appreciation night yeah, or some shit festival. like that. Man, I'd like that. I'm yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, but cool. basically everyone's standing around like are we gonna lose our jobs and shit and probably Tommy there's, the, there's that one character who keeps explaining things for people who might have left the movie and are coming back in he's just yeah. like Tommy's out trying to sell the parts for us right to get him, keep our jobs my favorite character he's in the, the movie, best character in the movie yeah, yeah. Could have been Rob Schneider oh you can do it. you can do it Tommy all right I do want to break this down for those of you listening uh, I don't know if you know this right now but there's a little show on Netflix called oh, my Rob there is it is a documentary slash just straight sitcom well right? i think or, it's or a, a straight, sitcom it's a based off his sitcom life. it's autobiographical though thank you you're thank welcome you. uh his real wife plays his wife in the show mm -hmm. and it's shot as if they're supposed to be a laugh track underneath but there isn't one there's pauses they for pause laughs, for the laugh track but the laughs don't come on either side. Well, except on our side. Oh, on our side. On our it side, is a coming. fucking guffaw fest, <laughs> yes, my friend. It is. it is a yuck fest and a half. I can't stop 
watching real Rob. And then they do those great fucking, at least in the first season, those great fucking Seinfeld cut in type standups. Oh my God. Which and, with a recorded audience laugh there's track. There's recorded audience laugh that track. That is when there is a laugh track. And it never shows the audience. So never. it's clearly just them shooting Rob in front of a fake fucking brick wall and him delivering written pre-planned stand-up material to nobody. To nobody. It's the greatest show. No, I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't let this go on any longer. Do not watch Real Rob. Watch Real Rob. It's streaming now on Netflix. <laughs> Schneider Soldiers, dude. Schneider Hashtag Schneider soldiers. Schneider soldiers. Don't call it a comeback. He's been around for years. He's been around He's, he's never left. Years. Oh, my God. <laughs> How did we even get there? What were we talking about? Oh, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. That's what, I mean, obviously that's what we were talking about. But no, they were at the fair. And Yes, during the fair. The only thing that matters here is that Michelle notices uh, Paul getting a little close to his mom. and But unbeknownst to her... They actually make out. Yeah, they make out hardcore. We talked about this while we were watching it for the first time, because I remember when Rob Lowe kisses Bo Derek in this movie, there's a split five seconds as an audience member where you believe yeah. this son is making out with his mother. Yeah. And for the first time when I saw this as a kid, dude, I think this could have been the very first instance where I was re- Ex- like, exposed, exposed to, to like, incest. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And I, I'll never forget the first time I saw it because you're like, wait, what the fuck? What the fuck? And you're freaking out, and you're like, what's Rob Lowe doing? I mean, he's Rob Lowe. He could get any chick he wants. Yeah, but not his mom, bruh. I bet he could get his mom. Oh, he could absolutely get his mom if he wanted to. He's Rob Lowe. (laughs) But anyway, uh, turns out it's not his mom. It's actually his wife. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll get into that a little bit later, but you can tell there's some nefarious things going on below the surface. Absolutely. You can kind of tell that... uh, He's all of the shots. I was actually watching this time before it's exposed that Rob Lowe is, you know, has nefarious intentions. Mm-hmm. If you watch Rob Lowe during the wedding and everything, he's sitting there completely pissed off and like yeah. never smiles and hates his life. Yeah, you can tell that maybe there's something going on, but I can't remember when I've ever not known this, you know, little twist here. Right, except except for the very first time yeah. you ever saw it, and like even then it was only for like a half hour of your whole time knowing Tommy Boy. So. Yeah, no, it is tough to think about it fresh, like just knowing. But, yeah. But I do remember the impact that it had when it first came out. That <laughs> it was like, shook me to my whoa. core. Something I dislike in this movie are the music cues introducing scenes. in bet- So after at the end of every scene, it'll then cut to the next scene, which in a road movie is typically going to be a wide panning shot of the fucking right, car. Right. Every time they do that. They set it up with some sort of, it's either guitars or it's a harmonica or it's some silly music that I don't, I like their song selections in this yeah. movie. I do not like the score at all in this movie. <sighs> the The main theme is f- kind of fine. And I think anyone who's familiar with the movie would probably recognize it just if it's played. Very good. But for the most part, the score in this movie, not a fan of. Nah, it's, yeah, it's subpar. But I do like this. They hit a deer. Okay, there's been talk of deer earlier and whatnot. And while he's David Spade is insulting Chris Farley, he winds up hitting a deer. And it cuts to this really beautiful shot again of the trees. It's like fall. And it slowly yeah. pulls out to them standing over this deer carcass. And again, they both wind up like crying at the same time. This is where you really get their odd couple timing and how they yeah. really work well together. And their chemistry apparently... Not great onset, but well, no, onset it's great, offset maybe not, but it, it's really working in a scene like this where they're just kind of 
They're being goofy together. David Spade may not impress so much now, but back then he was he, he was holding his own for he, sure. He was a weaselly little dick, and yeah. that's exactly what this movie called for. And he nails the part for the most part. Yeah, he does not nail his hair. I don't know what's going on with his hair through the whole movie. I know it's a joke at the end about a hairpiece. Yeah, but his actual hair in this movie is confounding. It's to very nineties, very nineties, like, so much fluff professional and yeah. comb. The uh, thing is, I think he's supposed to be like a nerd, you know, yes, sarcastic nerd. He doesn't look like like a nerd though i want to bash a nerd dude yeah i of course i'm surprised we're not bashing nerds right now we're gonna take a break we're gonna <laughs> quick take a break nerd bashing quick break. nerd bash we'll be right back with nostalgia be damned <laughs> and we're back thanks for listening back with nostalgia be damned bashed some nerds feeling good blood on her knuckles that's okay he manages to almost nail a pitch, but by the end of it, winds up going off the rail when he keeps messing up this little, I don't know, this joke that his dad kept telling yeah, every about, single sales pitch. If you want a good yeah. T-bone steak, you can shove your head up the bull's ass and take a look for yourself, but wouldn't you rather trust the butcher's word for it? Yeah, pretty much like that. That's yeah, good. I didn't fuck it up. Yeah, he fucks it up every single time. By the end of one, he's gone off the rails and pulled his hair up, and I love it. <laughs> his disheveled look's kind of funny. I can't believe he called me a psycho. Yeah. Did you see yourself in there? And as they're kind of arguing, the deer in the back seat wakes up and fucking destroys the car. Every part of this interior is destroyed. And this is kind of a running joke for the movie is how much damage yeah. this car can take while still moving. It's a pretty classic It's uh, a plane, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty classic road trip, like vacation. Like, yep. Yeah, it's just the car's got to get destroyed. They arrive at the Deer Glen Motel that night with a fucking harmonica intro that I'm really not a fan of either. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they see another one of these Zelinsky commercials on the television. And this is where we're really introduced to the Dan Aykroyd character yeah. and whatnot. And apparently, yeah, he's a competing auto parts company that wants to buy the company so that they can basically have some sort of auto part monopoly. Well, <laughs> in so their region. He, he says it eventually in the movie. He just wants the Callahan name. He wants the box. Oh, that's right. Yes. He so wants the box. He doesn't necessarily want the factory. Yep. He just wants the box, which is the concern because if he buys it, he's not going to keep the factory open. It's way cheaper if he just has the trademark and set and makes everything out of his own factory. So he's going to lay off everybody in Sandusky. This is when we get fat guy in a little coat dude. this is <laughs> which is one of the thank you it's strange because the scene leading up to this i actually was actively watching how kind of poor the acting is in this little bit here yeah it's an exchange between david spade and chris farley where they're kind of arguing and i don't know if there was some real onset tension or what's going on but they just feel it doesn't feel genuine at all and yeah, i don't, you don't really, really feel weird. the on-screen tension that much you know it's supposed to be there so that's where you kind of get it from but though those two aren't doing a lot to help the scene. And you know? it's just that scene. And then and then it slowly evolves into that famous iconic, you know, line and, and quick little fat guy part there, fat guy, little, little coat. coat. And he winds up ripping David Spade's blazer because he's, you know, a fat guy in a little coat. Still funny. I think that part right there, the, the the end 20 seconds of that scene is funny. But to get there, I, I thought it was kind of strange. Yeah, to get there. I got to tell you, man, I was a little... I was underwhelmed, right? I was right? a little underwhelmed by the whole thing. Even the fat guy in a little coat bit was... Look, not, I'm going to say it doesn't hold like up as much. much. Yeah, yeah but, but it was... I mean, I do get a kick out of just Chris Farley. There's so many fat jokes in this movie. The too. whole thing, yeah, is is a little bit like, all right. It's, it's, a, <laughs> little, it's a little overdone, but... <clears throat> I mean, it, it wasn't the worst fat joke. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. True. 
cut to them driving around in this fucking bare bones car. The, you know, the, the the roof is gone. So many parts are missing to this. And yeah. I do like this. It's the radio scene where they're just listening to a bunch of songs singing along. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they're singing that, like, don't you remember you told me? <laughs> and it's really good because it's hard cut to them, like, skipping songs for which ones they'd prefer. Yeah. And then they're they not- land on this song and they're both like, you can uh, you can turn it if you want. I don't know. It's fine. No, it's fine. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> They're both in tears, whatnot, and while this is all going on, the hood of the car flips up, and they spin out of control when he loses visibility and whatnot. Yep. They pull over in front of this old diner, and Richard finally calls him out. Like, he's super pissed off and basically like, yeah. you're a dumb asshole because it's your fault the hood came up because he didn't take the oil can out yeah. when he changed it earlier. Yeah, you don't deserve what you've been given. Daddy's given everything to yep. you. You didn't even care. Like, I, that guy was a father figure to me, and you took him for granted. So Tommy's like... Get out of the fucking car. Like, we're fighting. We're fighting. This is a fight. We are fighting. (laughs) And it's pretty good. He basically forces him to punch him. He's like, that all you got? And he he basically beats the shit out of him until he takes a giant wooden plank. Takes a fucking giant piece of wood and just bashes him over the face like a nerd. Let's go bash some nerds. We'll be right back. Second break for Nostalgia Yeah, second break for Nostalgia Be Damn. We'll be right back after this nerd bashing break and a word from your sponsors. Welcome back to Nostalgia Be Damned. We don't have sponsors. <laughs> no sponsors. So inside this uh, diner there, Tommy orders some chicken wings, but the kitchen is closed. Mm-hmm. But using his, you know, his street smarts, his ability to read people, he winds up telling this stupid story about who he, how he sucks at selling, and that convinces the waitress to go make him some wings. So yeah. Richard gets the idea, like, holy shit, we've been using you all wrong. Like, yeah. you're not good at any of this, like... Real salesmanship, but you know how to read people to talk to people. Yeah. And so they they try it out on their next one. They have a a manager who's like, you know what? The brakes that I use now have a guarantee. That's what my customers want. That's what they're going to get. But that's when Tommy just kind of changes his strategy a little bit, starts talking to him about, you know, man, they wouldn't put a guarantee if they had a good product. It's a shitty product. All they're guaranteeing is that you're getting a piece of shit. I could take a shit in a box and put a guarantee on it, but that doesn't make it good, basically, is what he's going for. Kind of gets his own style, and it's kind of cool. And if he does it, he finally sells. After finally making their very first sale, thanks to Tommy, they're back at the hotel and whatnot, and they're spying on this lady who is, for some reason, skinny dipping in this motel pool at night. Like, in one of those hotels, too, where it's, like, wide open in a courtyard. Like, <laughs> Everything's why? facing the pool. Why are you doing this? <laughs> but it's great when he first walks out, Tommy, he's like, oh, he's going to go pull the where's the weight room routine, yeah, and he walks out all like, know where the weight room is. You know where the weight room is? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, it's because he's fat. <laughs> no, it's because he's got style and he's right. cool. But then we get a little success montage, just them scoring and scoring and making all kinds of sales. And yep. there's delivery trucks driving away. And it seems like he's getting the company back on track. But this is when uh, Paul. What's his name? Paul. Yeah, I almost called him Paul Dano for some reason. I <laughs> wish he was Paul Dano. Get out of here. <laughs> but I'll settle with Roblo. Uh, this is when Paul and his wife slash fake mother uh this is they've revealed at this point that they're they want to sell the company and just basically cash out and take off that was the plan the whole time the whole time but so paul's got to try and stop some of these deliveries uh he had an attempt already where he tried to destroy one of the trucks by shooting it with a sniper rifle <laughs> in the <laughs> gas tank attacked by a rottweiler he gets attacked by a rot his like scenes are really derpy it didn't expect they are, it. they're yeah. so derpy um but 
And then the attempt that finally does work is that he breaks into the shipping office. Yep. Goes onto the computer and in changes. Michelle's office, dude. Yes, Michelle's office, and she chain and he changes a lot of the dates, so they're you know weeks behind now, or weeks late now at this point, and Michelle doesn't catch it because she's a nerd on a computer. <laughs> Un- unbeknownst to them, though. They think that they have reached their quota. This is another thing that I still do to this day. David Spade goes up to the uh, hotel door and he knocks and he's like, housekeeping? Do this. My dad does this all the time whenever we stay like in a hotel room. I feel like you've done this to me I before. I do this to yeah. people all the time. Housekeeping? And I just say some ridiculous shit. I, I don't know why, but it still holds up. But yeah, basically at this point, they think they're in the clear because mm-hmm. the last information that they've received is that, you know, they're they've the, hit the mark. They've yeah, done they've it. Hit the mark. They've, they've saved done the company. They fucking succeeded. But after a little quick car montage of them singing again dude yep get they back. arrive back home and it turns out it was all fucking pointless almost the entire movie's pointless because by the time they arrive back back the company has to be sold more than half of the buyers have pulled out because they think that it's just bad business uh the the bank is like yeah we're not giving you the loan like it's just i mean movie over tommy boy what do you think dude it's so weird though cuz they're they're literally like celebrating like oh my god we've won and then a quick it's not even five minutes later until they've realized oh shit everything's gone tits up half the orders were canceled or delayed and yeah yeah so michelle is quitting because a lot of people are blaming her because it came from her office yep and everybody's supposedly about to lose their job and tommy goes to visit her and she's like i I screwed up are you mad at me i get it you know she's very being very self-deprecating um and then for some reason like tommy just kind of rubs salt in the wounds he's like you know why don't you just use normal files like everybody and you know what happened i thought we you know he's being kind of a dick kind of but i mean it's It's not my fault that's what she just keeps saying but from his perspective comes from her office yeah and he all this was riding on it and it's just it's just so anticlimactic it's also it's so quick it's also it felt a little for this scene felt a little forced to me because it's very out of character for tommy to be like yeah, you kind of fucked up. Yeah, there, he kind you know? of blames her. Yeah, he kind of does very, blame her, right. and it just feels like it was like, well, we need more conflict. Don't and we? then she runs out all derpy. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she looks stupid. <laughs> but so uh, there's nothing really that they can do, and Tommy decides that their only hope is to go talk straight to what's his name, Dan Aykroyd, Zelinsky. That's the company yes. that's going to get. Uh, yeah, who's going to buy it? They're supposed to be bought out in Chicago the next day, and. He and David Spade decide uh, the only thing left to do is go to Zelensky and talk him out of it and tell him that it's not for sale. Yeah, he's a blue-collar guy. He'll understand our problem. Right. So in order to get there that quickly, they have to fly. So they impersonate some flight attendants. There's a good little bit on there of them doing the whole, you know, fasten your seatbelts spiel. Yeah. Uh, And then there's a whole scene where he tries to get changed in a, you know, a tiny airplane bathroom. Kind of funny because, again... Chris Farley can really sell the the physical aspects. Yeah. His head snaps. His like punching into the his wall. His hairs all over his, the place. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, he he milks any lesser comedian, and this would be painful to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely no, he... pain. I mean, you watch Paul Blart Mall Cop, and you get what a comedian does with this material without being Chris Farley. You know what I mean? <clears throat> uh, that's the best movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. It, he needed to go, go big or go home, quite literally. And he, he goes big, and for the most part, it works. Uh, physical comedy not always my favorite, yeah. especially in a prolonged scene. But um, 
he makes it work in a lot of it. Uh, there are a couple scenes throughout the movie where I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm over it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, in this, in this, he does pretty well. So they arrive in Chicago and he's mistaken for a, a bank robber when he first arrives at the, yeah. Uh, Cause he, he calls for everybody's attention and they all get down on the ground and the cops like throw their guns at him. <laughs> it's super funny. It's Cause exactly. it's all in one motion. He literally just walks in. He's like, can I have your attention? Everyone drops and they <laughs> this throw. This will only take a minute. <laughs> Two or three guns are at his feet. <laughs> he just sprints away. There's a live TV station there now because of the bank robbery. Yeah. But he catches up to Zelensky and basically tells him, you know, his entire problem, what's yeah. happened, the mishap and everything. And this is when you find out that Zelensky, I mean, he's a TV guy, man. He doesn't actually yeah. have a blue collar sense of he's business. A he's a suit, dude. He's a suit, dude. And he's telling him, like, hey, man, I get it. Like, but uh, I don't really care about the American consumer. They're just stupid enough to believe I do. <laughs> right, right. Ooh, a little incisive commentary Ooh. in my... The blue collar Comedy. better than the white collar, you would think, huh? Ooh, a little social commentary in this movie. Ooh, 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 ooh. ooh. I'm gonna shoot. <laughs> Wait, what were you doing? I don't know. I was <laughs> sipping wine. I, I think. was doing MacGruber because it's an SNL Lorne Michaels production, trying to tie it back in. You're being a silly fuck. You're right. You're doing a lot more the, for the format than I yeah, am. Yeah, no, I yeah. am really getting to the subtext of this yeah. humor. Uh, yeah, excuse me, everybody. Highest of brows. Excuse me, everybody. Don't be a nerd or we'll take a break to bash you, okay? <laughs> All right, you're right. I'm sorry. Let me push my glasses back up. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. But, yeah, he basically tells them to get the fuck out. He has security escort them out. They're outside, and they think, well, it was worth a shot. I really tried my hardest, but Tommy's still beating himself up. Michelle who previously at the airport, I believe, yeah, had witnessed she was Beverly and Paul making out and grabbing ass so she knows that they're actually a married couple. She finds this out. She, she does a background check because her brother is a cop. Oh, callback, dude, that we Ooh, didn't mention. Shit, that's yeah. right. They introduced it. Yeah, she has her brother, yeah, she has her brother do a background check so it's not a deus ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But they find out that she's uh, married and that because she was married to Paul before she was married to Big Tom, technically... That marriage is invalid. Yeah, so all of her shares and her inheritance that she got from Big Tom, invalid. But uh, th we don't really get to that yet because Tommy, knowing now that uh, the his stepmom and brother are no are banging are banging. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he comes up with an idea. So he steals a bunch of road flares from a construction crew and then straps them to his chest walks in and is like, excuse me, everyone. And everyone's like, oh, no, not again. The cops in this are really funny, by the way, because they were talking to the oh, news that was crew. Really and he's like, after the guy beat me over the head repeatedly <laughs> with the hammer, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which good. did not happen, of course. Yeah. Um, but the cops are really funny in that. So Tommy gets the TV news crew. They barge into the meeting where the papers are being signed. And he kind of corners Zelensky because he knows Zelensky is a TV guy. Mm -hmm. He's his image is everything to his business. And he kind of corners him and tells him, like, hey, man, if you really cared about the blue collar and American worker, you'd probably buy half a million breaks from me right now and uh, keep this factory open in Ohio. And doesn't he fucking do it, dude? He, yeah. He, and he's like, you know, whatever. Company's going to be mining a little bit anyway. You don't have the shares to stop me from buying this company. But that's when... They reveal the police records that the marriage was a sham, and suddenly all of those shares that belong to uh, the the con artists 
are still Tommy's, and Tommy does not sell. He saves the company, dude. He did it. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Tommy, I do believe about the blue-collar American. Tommy, I love the blue-collar American. I wouldn't tell them that, and I don't care about them. I wouldn't say that either. Maybe I would. I don't know. I'm getting elected. It doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, big success, man. He goes back and is a fucking hero. Everyone loves him. He's getting cheered off the goddamn crowd. Mm-hmm. We forgot to mention David Spade's hair's piece falls off in I mean, a very silly way. Did we forget to mention it or did we blow by it because it didn't matter? Oh, man. But after everything looks good, uh, it seems like he is, you know, going to start a relationship with Michelle. Mm-hmm. We cut to him back on the lake. It's uh, a calm, motionless day, a beautiful day, and he's asking. He's talking to his dad up in heaven, high sky up there. That's what happens, right? He <laughs> he basically asks his dad for some wind to get to shore, and his dad, you know, being the lovable guy that he used to be, the jokester, the practical jokester. We're going to believe that he, he does create some wind, which knocks the sail into Tommy's head, you know, like smacking <laughs> on the back of the head, Tommy. Shnikes, dude. I Holy shnikes. <laughs> Make sure you stay grounded, Tommy. I love you. I'm a ghost. I died in the first 20 minutes. Remember Tommy me? Tommy boy. The end. Wow, man. That's Tommy Thomas boy. boy. That's Thomas boy. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think? Dude, Um, I got to tell you, shocked. I think this movie holds up to me. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I wasn't really expecting a ton because uh, we we were talking earlier about a lot of these movies that uh, came out at around this time. Uh, specifically, we we're mentioning stuff like Billy Madison and yep. you know all these movie all these movies that were definitely for I, I I guess juveniles. Not and that's not in a yes. That's not in a deprecating like fourteen fifty. Yes, <laughs> that's not in a deprecating way. It's just the juvenile demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, but f- this movie had a lot more nuance than I remembered, especially just as a film in general. It th- it shot really well. Um, we did mention that it does start to run a little thin towards the end, yeah. but I think they, they put a stop to it right away. I mean, they just end the movie. It's a cool hour and 30 minutes. Um, Chris Farley is still funny. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as funny as he was when I was younger, some of the physical comedy, as I mentioned, doesn't work as well for me. Some of it does. Um, and a lot of his lines, uh, that especially ones that you know that he's improvising, are really well done, really well delivered. Uh, the chemistry between him and David Spade, I still think, works. It's not an overly complicated plot. I mean, it's a it's a buddy traveling movie yeah. for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Literally for some reason. I, I'm not sure why, but it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot that I found particularly wrong with it. I think for the most part, it's not perfect. And it's, I wouldn't even say a great movie, but it's still a good movie. Um, there's still genuine laughs to be found here, even for people who have grown up a little bit and moved past this genre. Um, I, what what was the overall rating again? It was, it was a forty three percent, forty three on Rotten Tomatoes. Dude, I'm gonna go ahead and bump it up to a fifty five. Um, give it a fresh rating. Oh, 60 is technically fresh. All right, well, I'll give it a sixty. 60? Then. I'll give okay. it a sixty. Right. I think it's a fresh movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, the formula, while wasn't um, original, yeah, I think it does enough to kind of separate itself from you know like Vacation. Or sure. Euro Trip, or <laughs> yeah, I got you. You know what I mean? Movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah bro, trip bro trip comedies. Um, 
and it's got a lot of heart to it that I didn't expect to find in it. And, you know, I do miss Chris Farley and the, I'll, I'll remember this as one of my, uh, favorite Chris Farley films. And I'm glad to see that it, you know, I don't hate it. Yes. Yeah. I didn't hate it. Absolutely at all. I, you mentioned it had heart and I think that was what surprised me the most about it too. It's, it's just a, a well-intentioned, like good-hearted mm-hmm. movie, and it, it wears its heart on its sleeve. It, it there's no cynicism in it. It really feels like just like a humble. I don't know. They don't make movies like this anymore. The overall atmosphere of the movie is just like the main character. Man, yeah, it can be a little annoying at times, but yes. it's still likable. It's still lovable. I find this very similar in in tone and. I'd say almost in quality to a planes, trains, and automobiles. It's yeah. it's got those two comic performers. While I, I I would say not quite on the level of Steve Martin and John Candy. No, they are a lesser version, but it's still pretty funny. I, I think a, a lot of the jokes hold up. Um, you know, the music really did <laughs> kind of upset me at some points, and I'd say the uh, I wouldn't. It's not the pacing because it moves fairly quickly, but the. It's just inconsequential nature of some of these plot points where, like, it literally will just kind of cut to the next scene without addressing anything. It's almost like a Family Guy cartoon where it's yeah. just like, fuck whatever you just saw. We're on to the next thing. Yeah, but moving on. It embraces that, and it does that the entire time. It's very consistent, so mm-hmm. whatever, man. Like, this is a fun movie that I think if you catch on TNT or whatever, will bring you right back. Comedy is so subjective, so I, I can't really recommend this movie to everyone. Right. But I think if you liked Chris Farley on SNL or in any of his movies, this, in my opinion, is the best representation of what he had in his career. Sadly, that yeah. was cut tragically too short. This is my probably my favorite movie he starred in, and I'm going to go even higher, dude. I'll give it a 68. That's fair. No, I, I, I honestly, I don't have a problem with high ratings for this film. I, if anything, I I mean, obviously, I think the Rotten Tomato score is a little it low. Is. I think it's and, an underrated movie. And I think if you look at his body of work, you look at something like Black Sheep, which was similar in so many ways i think it still just stands out from a lot of his work and it it, it makes me sad every time i watch a chris farley film because you know he truly was a talent that it's hard to replicate there have been guys who have tried to replicate like i again and i hate making this comparison i truly do but i do think of like kevin james as like trying to replicate what Chris Farley was doing, and man, just no one can do it like him. No, it, just to this day, he's got a delivery and a presence on camera that just is unmatched in what he was setting out to accomplish. And mm-hmm. it's a real, real shame that he's no longer with us. It is, but not to end on a sad note. No. What are we going uh, to be watching next week, good sir? All right, man. We're so we we're kind of alternating here between uh, kids and adult movies so uh we're going back to kids i want to say we're going to animation and that's only half true dude (laughs) the original inside out osmosis jones holy shit i'm so excited i'm not dude no i loved osmosis jones i I loved it i have a feeling this one's gonna this one's gonna stang oh no it's gonna be bad we're gonna hate this movie i think we might it's bill murray at his absolute worst bill murray is <laughs> i like and i love bill murray he's just he's this is by the fairly brothers too right yeah wow i mean but it you know what the concept of this movie drives me nuts i look like <laughs> so much to in, in both a positive and negative way it yeah it drives me absolutely insane um i, I remember liking the soundtrack 
Yeah. I don't know if it I did. Holds yeah, up. I do remember liking the soundtrack. I like but this was a movie that I I think I also remembered liking because you saw it in a lot of classrooms because anatomically it's it's <laughs> Cells and it's stuff. Cell, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, it tells you about the functional white blood cells. Like, yeah, they're so, cops, so, right? Yep, they're cops. So it's a real, <laughs> it's it's a real educational film. I can't wait. I think oh, it's going to be at times terrible and at times surprisingly terrible. terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But it, it'll be. We'll have fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Nostalgia Be Damned. If you like what you heard, if this is the first time you stumbled upon us by accident or some shit. Sorry. Yeah. First and foremost, yeah, yeah, we do apologize. Yep. But please subscribe to us on iTunes or at uh, podbean.com, mm-hmm. right? NBD. NBD. NBD.podbean.com, which is our original hosted site. You can subscribe there. Uh, you can also find us on plenty of podcasting apps. Our feed is kind of out there now at this point. And uh, as you said, on iTunes, please, please please write us a review. Um, Whether or not you hate us or love us, reviews help us out, helps us get noticed, helps other people stumble upon us, and we'd love to grow this audience. It'd be dope. Yeah, it'd be dope. (laughs) Send us an email at nostalgiabedampedpod at gmail.com if you want to shoot us a request, something to watch, something that you enjoyed recently that you'd just like to hear us talk about or whatnot. Have a question about our lives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might do a mailbag sometimes. Just let us know. Interesting to talk with our audience. Mm Mm-hmm. So what's the product this week, dude? Yeah, man. Have you heard of the Tide Pod Challenge? The Tide Pod Challenge. Yes. It's uh, these people, know. these kids are being, well, I don't know how much it's going on now. It's kind of an old news story at this point, but these kids are taking Tide detergent pods. Oh, yes. Okay. And biting into them. Ew. Yeah, it's gross. And it's super dangerous because it's got a lot of, you know, like chemicals in there and like yeah. bleach like detergent you, yeah detergent like you can you can die from eating one of these so don't recommend doing that but, Ew, dude. but can't help but notice they do look delicious i they're colorful yeah well that and they're just rubbery like yeah, i just want to feel them underneath my teeth right, right exactly no you i, I kind of just want to chomp into them yeah. what if i told you that there is a new product out there that allows you to do just that it's called snack pods whereas uh, tide pods are meant to go in the laundry these ones you are meant to eat they come in different colors and flavors including fresh linen uh fresh uh apple sort of cinnamon flavor it's really okay really great um all different colors purple green orange uh, blue it's Really cool, and it's still got that you know rubbery effect that you're looking for, and uh, you're just meant to chomp right into them. So, are there specific like what's inside them though? You know, like um, all the things you would find in a Tide Pod. In a Tide Pod, so I'm assuming they still have some sort of detergent or cleaning material. Yes, there's still detergent. There's still soap. Um, so it sounds like all bleach. they've done is add flavor. Well, I mean. It just smell. I would say scent. It just smells. So I wouldn't say flavor. No. Oh, okay. So it actually doesn't taste like cinnamon. It just smells like cinnamon. Yeah, it just smells like cinnamon. Okay. But still tastes like detergent. Yes. Still tastes like detergent. I'm just, I fail to see the difference between eating a Tide Pod and eating this other than it smells like a different scent. The, well, these are called snack pods. They're meant to be eaten where the other ones are not meant to be eaten. They're meant for your laundry. Can you wash your laundry with snack pods? You can, but that is not necessarily the intended purpose. The intended purpose is for eating snack pods. I'm not going to question it because the overwhelming urge to just feel that rubber against my teeth. Yo.
I will uh, enticing, I trust you. dude. Very enticing. And then next week we can see what happens when it goes into your body when we cover Osmosis Jones. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great night. Holy shnikes! <laughs> it's just the radio.